0: in a series called Church Sucks, and so does my Denver Broncos. <laughs> like last time I was here, it was like we were 0-0, now we're 0-2. It's been, it's been rough on us, right? Uh, but we're in this series called Church Sucks, but it doesn't have to And a lot of this is just based off of conversations we've had um, with people here in our church, people in our community, what church has meant to them and what it's been, and um, this series uh, has been really powerful. We've had so many conversations uh, with just many of you and and people asking things and uh, being able to spark conversation and and people checking out what's going on here, and and I believe God is continuing to work as we kind of talked about relationships over religion, and then last. Last week, Pastor Ryan kind of continued this series talking about pastors when when pastors are the cause or the source of a lot of church hurt. And today I want to talk about this idea of obedience over obligation. Obedience over obligation. Now, if you think about it, um, uh, when it comes just to church in general, a lot of people are like Michael um, and they feel like church isn't. For them, right? It was like, hey, just church isn't for me. And there's lots of different reasons why someone maybe wouldn't attend church. It could be like, hey, church is just really boring. You ever been in one of those services where you're like, Man, it's just church is like really boring. Maybe for you, it's like, you know, I would rather be sleeping or Sunday's a day where I could go do any other activity. Maybe you don't feel like there's a need for church. Uh, maybe people feel like, you know, I don't, uh, it's just not for me. God isn't real or faith or this institution, the things I don't really want to be a part of. And there's lots of reasons why people don't go to church. Uh, but I think if we were to step back for a moment and, and look at the problem, for those of us, who have a relationship with Jesus. Let me just talk to y'all for a second. Let's just step back for a moment. Here in Etowah County, we have one church for every 400 people. You feel like if anyone in any city, in any community, in all of America understands the importance of church, it would be Etowah County, except 7 out of 10 people don't go to church anywhere. And that's just being truly gracious On the numbers. And I think if we were just to step back for a moment, take off our Christian hats and look at the situation from someone who doesn't go to church, why is that? I think if we were honest, uh, it's because a lot of Christians have done a really poor job of representing Jesus and what the church is supposed to be. Uh, I am a results based person. I'm all about the results. If it's a bad experience, if a product is bad, like I don't want to be a part of it, I'm not going to buy it. As a matter of fact, like I will avoid food places if they're not good, right? In Gadsden, we've had lots of different food places come in and they don't stay. Why? Because the food was horrible, it was overpriced, it was a location, whatever. And a place can go into location and in the same location, but if the food is horrible people aren't going to go back. If your food is overpriced and it's not worth the money, people aren't going to go back if it's like really the only thing that's gonna survive in Gadsden is a mattress store, right? Can I get like, that's the only thing that's gonna make it here in our city. If you're a food thing, like you better make sure your food is on point. And the same thing is true when it comes to products and things that we buy. Sometimes we buy products because of the values that they stand for, because of who they're representing. And we're like, I wanna support that product. I love what they stand for. I love their values. Or I'm not going to buy that product because I don't like their values. I don't like what they stand for or I don't like who they represent. And if you could look at the church for a moment through secular eyes and say, if the church was a product, let's just be honest, Christians as a whole, we have not done a good job of showing that this is worth their time. Why? Well, think about it. If someone doesn't go to church and they look at your life and they're like, you know what, that person's just like me. Um, They do the same things, we do the same stuff, there's no difference in their life and mine except they go to church and they they give their money to this thing, like I feel like I'm better, and let's just be honest, I know lots of people who aren't even Christians that are way nicer than people who call themselves Christians. Right? They're like our society is filled with people who have good values, who have good morals, who have good ethics. And then there are Christians who are supposed to like encompass all those things. And it's like it would really be helpful if you just stopped calling yourself a Christian. (laughs) Because you make it a lot harder for those of us that are trying to do the right thing. What's the point of like being a Christian? Like shouldn't we be the best examples like in society in general? Like we were people who were once dead. We were lost, it says in Scripture. We found Christ. And it says now we've been made alive and we have this truth inside of us. And if we've got this truth inside of us, why aren't we living in such a way that people are like, you know what, I want some of that. A lot of times they're like, I don't want any of that. I don't want nothing to do with that. But if we believe that everything we're doing here has a purpose, that there's meaning behind what we're doing, that this is real, this is not just some made-up faith thing to make us feel better about ourselves. If we believe that heaven is real and people who have a relationship with Jesus are going there and hell is real and people who don't have a relationship with Jesus are going there, what are we doing to show people that living for Christ is worth it? How can we represent God better? I love what Jesus says In Matthew 5, in the greatest sermon ever taught, he said this in verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. And he's talking about Christians. Like today we understand the context. Followers of Jesus. He says, you are the light of the world. It's like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So I guess the question this morning for those of us who have a relationship with Jesus is, what kind of light are you? No one's lighting candles and going like, hey, like I've never like, met a lady it's like, I'm going to light a candle and I'm going to stick it under a basket and let's just see how long it is before it blows up or turns on fire, right? Like, no one's ever doing that. Like, you set it up top, you want everyone to smell it, you want everyone to see it, right? He's like, "Mm, I got it from Pottery Barn, right? Like, you want people to know, are you with me this morning? Like, come on, we have any Pottery Barn? I don't know, whatever. Hobby Lobby, is that Christian? Right, like, like we have this thing, you want people to see it. And in their culture, it was like light. You wanted light to be seen in the entire house. You weren't trying to hide or condense the light. So what kind of light are you, and I, I got this flashlight here. Is the light on? Oh, yeah, it's like, it's there, right? It's one of the, if you ever have one of these flashlights, this is what I call like Christian light. You're a Christian, but your light's not that bright. You're like, I kind of do some of the things. I kind of do this stuff. But then you're at work, you're like, hey, don't you go to church? Like, yeah, I go to church. But you don't really let people know. Because you're not trying try to be like extra Christian, you know what I mean? You're just like, yeah, I'm Christian. Like I just won't be Christian enough, right? I'm Christian, right? You know what I mean? Like it's just this, you're just kind of a Christian and your light just barely shines. It's like the same thing as anyone else. You're like, no, no, I'm a Christian. Look at my life. Look at my life, right? And then you have other people who are like, bam, I am Christian. You know what I mean? Like, I am a Christian. We're like, oh, we get it, right? You can turn down Caleb. We get it. You are Christian, right? And there are people who are like, I am lit and it's like that's awesome. We love like yes, like be involably, let's just tone down someone like how Christian y you are. And so like the question like between the two lights, between the one that's barely there and the one that's super bright, is where are you at in terms of the scale of brightness? How bright is your light actually shining? Is your light even shining? Which kind of takes us to people like this, there are some people here today that they have all the components of light, all the components of a lamp, everything that should shine brightly, but yet to them, there is no light. There are people who call themselves Christians, say they're Christians, they do all the Christian things, they go to all the Christian places, they talk Christian, they walk Christian, they dress Christian, but their lives don't look like Christian because they have no light. There are so many people, I believe, in our city, in our area, who look just like this lamp. You say you're a Christian, and yet your life looks nothing like what Jesus talked about. So what is the deal with Christians? If we're supposed to be followers of Christ, what is it supposed to look like? There's a difference between obedience And obligation, I love what Paul said in Romans 7. He says, so my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You have died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. Now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. And as a result, we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. Those who are followers of Jesus who say, I have a relationship with God, we should produce good deeds. We should have a harvest of good deeds. In other words, there should be a difference in someone who is a follower of Jesus and someone who isn't. And it should be shown in the way that we live our lives. It should just be known. Just like a light, like you know when light is on. We know the lights are on because the light is shining right now. That's how we have light. Light is unmistakable. You can't like Forget that it's there because lights will do what lights do, and that shine. And so what Paul is saying is if you have light, then your life should be shining. Your life should look different. So what would it look like if a church were to highlight obedience over obligation? Because there are a lot of Christians who do Christian things because they feel like they're supposed to do it. They have to do it. But there's a difference in people who feel like they have to do something or who want to do something. So we're going to look at three thoughts this morning of what the church should look like. And the first thing is this, churches that highlight obedience over obligation, they meet regularly. They meet regularly. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Wouldn't that be nice for a change if we just motivated one another to do good things for each other or for people in general? It says, let us look for ways to motivate one another to do what? Toward acts of love and good works. That sounds like the opposite that a lot of churches and Christians do. And then it says this, and let us not neglect meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, I want you to understand, like, we're in a building this morning. The church are the brothers and sisters in Christ. We are the people. Church is people, all right? And now we meet in this local place here in this building. But that is not what a church is. And just so of are like Cornerstone, we will turn nine years old in February. So we actually are meeting in a building. This was uh, back in the day for those that are from Gaza. And this used to be called First Presbyterian has nothing to do with us. We were never them, right? Uh, This is just the place that we meet. And I think if I were to design a church from scratch, it wouldn't look like the way that it looks. But I love this. It's kind of like you can't judge a book by its cover, right? And um, the church is not the building. It's the people that make up The church, we are the church. It's a local body of believers who meet together just like we do. People who've put their faith and trust in Christ. People who've been baptized. They meet together so they can worship together. So they can hear the word of God taught and preached. And um, we should look different than those who aren't a part of this at all. Now, Cornerstone is a little bit different in the way that we design our services. We design our services so that anyone who doesn't even go to church can show up to our church and feel like, oh, okay, I I get what's going on. Have you ever been to a church and you're like, I just felt like I went to Bible college. I have no idea what that dude was talking about, right? That pastor was saying some big old words. It's because he spent thousands of dollars to say words like that, right? So he's just flaunting it. He wants to show it off. We design our services in such a way that even if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you can come here and you can understand what's being talked about, and it will be actually practical and relevant to your life. But there is a difference, like, in churches like this, like, some people feel like they need to show up, like, attendance is mandatory. But it's not, like, this is not something we have to do. It's something we want to do. It's something we get to do. And I think as a follower of Christ, like, I want you to understand, like, here at Cornerstone, we never want people to feel like they have to do things out of obligation. When you begin to do things out of obligation, that word is called religion, And we're not looking for religion. We're looking for relationship. And that's just real people doing real things. So here's like I'm gonna say it, like the pastor's saying it, it's okay if you miss a Sunday. I'm not gonna call you and be like, hey, I noticed you weren't sitting in your chair this last week. Is everything okay with you? Right? It's okay to miss. But what I will say is don't make it common to constantly miss. Because the more that you miss, the more that you're away from real community, the easier it is to drift from God. And what I'm saying is we need community. We need each other. God created us and designed us to be with one another. And I think it helps when church is actually fun. No one ever said churches had to be boring. People made that up. <laughs> churches don't have to be boring. There's nowhere in the scriptures that thou shalt have boring services. All right? Pastors cannot make culturally relevant jokes, right? That's not in the Bible anywhere. People just made that up to make themselves feel better or whatever the case might be. We obey God and when we do that, we find that churches that highlight obedience over obligation meet regularly. The second thing they do is they live on mission. Churches that highlight obedience over obligation, they live on mission. I love what Jesus says, literally the last words before he... Literally ascends into heaven and he's like there seated at the right hand of his father until he comes back. Listen to the words of Jesus. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he says, teach these new disciples To obey all of the commands I have given you. What were all the commands? Well, all the commands of thou shalt not have tattoos, thou shalt not drink beer, thou shalt not watch bad movies, thou shalt not go to the movies, thou shalt not wear um, pants, ladies. Thou shalt do fill in the blank. We'll talk about all the commands that Jesus actually shares here in a moment. Because Jesus says you need to obey all the commands And lots of you have been to churches where you've heard lots of commands. Things you're supposed to do, things you're not supposed to do. And then Jesus says, be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Here at Cornerstone, our mission is very simple. We want to help you build your life on Jesus. That's it. We want to help you build your life on Jesus. If you're, in, if you're married, we want your marriage to be built on Jesus. You have kids, we want your parenting to be built on Jesus. Your finances to be built on Jesus. Every aspect of your life, we want your life to be built on Jesus. Which means we're all going to be at different spots in our faith journey. But we want you to build your life on Jesus. And we want to help you see that God has given you a gift that you can turn around and then use for his glory to help our mission of helping people build their lives on Jesus. I love how Paul says it this way in Romans 12. He says, because of this privilege, what? The one where we live on mission. He says, and this authority God has given me, I give you each this warning. Don't think you, better, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. I love this. He says, just be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Don't we tend to grade our own lives on a scale? <laughs> we tend to go like, oh, you know what, I'm messing up, blah, we justify it. We're like, no, nah, I'm doing pretty good. But then we can look at someone else and be like, hmm you're doing pretty bad. We tend to grade ourselves on a scale, and this is where obedience comes in. This is where following God comes in. It's totally different. It's not about obligation, but it's about giving back. In other words, our intentions and our heart matters to God, which means if you showed up, you're like, oh, I guess I'll go to church today. Guess what? You might sit through an hour, but it doesn't count. <laughs> you might serve, and you're like, oh, I guess I got to show up. Someone's got to greet somebody. And you do it, guess what? It doesn't count. You can give your money, you're like, oh, stinking pastor I'm talking about money again. <laughs> doesn't count. Your heart matters, your intentions matter because Jesus cares more about the relationship than the obligation that you think you have. There's no obligation. It's about real life. And so Jesus giving us this idea and Paul saying, don't think you're better than you really are. Don't think you're something that you're not. Be honest in the evaluation of yourself. See, when people live on mission, they take their eyes off of what other people are doing and they're only focused on what they're supposed to do. And if you feel obligated about doing something, then you've missed the point. You've missed the point of what church and faith were all about because it was never about obligation. It was just simply about obedience, which leaves us to this third thought. Churches that highlight obedience over obligation, they will love unconditionally. Churches will love unconditionally. I love what John One of Jesus' closest disciples and friends says as he was exiled on an island, he says this in 1 John 5. Loving God means keeping his commandments. There's that, all the commandments again. We're going to talk about that in a second. I know I teased that in the last point. There's all these commandments. Jesus is talking about commandments. John's saying we got to keep his commandments. And you've had so many people tell you all about the commandments. But then John says, and his commandments are not burdensome. Jesus actually said, hey, take my yoke, take my teaching on you because it's light. It's not heavy. But some of us have been placed in some places where we were told some things and it felt like we would never be good enough. You ever left church and been like, I'm just never gonna be good enough. Like, what is that? Like, I could never live to the standard. A pastor placed himself on some pedestal. You're like, oh, never reach that place in my life. But, but John says right there that, That Jesus' commandments are not burdensome. So what are all the commandments? Thankfully, Jesus told us what all the commandments were. All the things that we were told we're not supposed to do. Let me tell you what Jesus actually says we're supposed to do. I'll tell you right now. In Matthew 22, Jesus replies this way. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. In other words, he says, most important in your entire life as a follower of Jesus is to put God first in everything. Love him with every bit of who you are, your heart, soul, and mind. God comes first in every area, in your marriage, in your finances, in your parenting, in your faith, in your, in your ups, and your downs. Jesus comes first. This is the first and greatest commandment. Nothing else is more important than loving God with everything that you are. Wouldn't that change us if we just love God with everything that we are? That's... That's the goal, to see the areas in my life where I don't love God completely and wholly and first. And to go, I want to do that. That's what I want in my life. I just want to follow God so much that he is the most important in every aspect of my life. And then Jesus says this, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. How much different would our culture be today if Christians just loved other people the way they love themselves? We've gone through a lot in these last few years in America, haven't we? Wouldn't it have just been so much better if we just loved people the way that we love ourselves? Jesus said this that the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Did you know? As a follower of Jesus, all we need to do is to love God and love others. That's it. Everything else was something that someone put on you. Now, I know what you're gonna say, there are some standards for our life, and I, <laughs> I know I just came back from California, so it doesn't mean I can stand up here, smoke a blunt, and be like, yo, follow Jesus. He's doing pretty good. <laughs> I mean, if you used to have some of this, you might feel that way too, right? It doesn't mean I can do whatever I want. It doesn't mean that I can now go to strip clubs and be like, hey, strippers need love too. Blah, 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 blah. Right? It doesn't mean I can do that either. There are some standards for my life. My life looks different. I don't do certain things. Why? Because I want to obey God. Like I don't want to follow men. I'm not going to follow the ways of culture. And so I do certain things with my life, not because I'm obligated to, but because God is first. And I want to follow him doesn't mean I can go out and just now, like, watch me go down and, like, <laughs> over here, like, clubbing, you know, like, just get absolutely plastered. Like, i got to preach tomorrow, you know. One more. Then I'll go. I can't just do whatever I want. Hey, there are some standards in place. But, but what Jesus is talking about, he says, there's really only two things. Love God. Love others. And as you follow Jesus and you build your life on him. You begin to look different than everybody else. Your life looks different than everybody else. And the entire law is as hinges on those two things. Christians have done a bad job of loving other people. Cornerstone is filled with people with different personalities and perspectives in life. We have some political views in here that are polar opposite. We have people from completely different walks of life, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, people who are affluent, people who are not. We have people who have been divorced, people who haven't, people that are growing up in all sorts of different things. We are a dichotomy, very eclectic people, and our culture says we should never be together. The things that actually we have opinions on should drive us apart, but yet here we are all together here in the same place. Because why? Because you as the human being are more important than you and the thoughts and perspectives and things that you have. You as a person mean more to me than you and what you think is right and what you think is wrong that I can just love you, even though I may not agree with you, but I can love you and we can still meet together and we can still worship, we can still open up God's word together and we can still worship together and we can grow closer together and we can understand that where I'm at in my faith journey isn't where you're at in your faith journey, but as long as we follow Jesus, we can do that together and that our differences actually make us stronger, that we're to love unconditionally, God, your mama, and me unconditionally. Come on, Florida, Jordan. anybody out there? Are we having fun this morning? Don't leave me hanging out there. I know they've broken up, but still, right? My job as a pastor is to teach truth, what we see in God's word, but it's the Holy Spirit's job to change your life. I'm not here to try to change your life. That's God's job. But what we will do is we'll walk through life together. And guess what? Life's going to get messy because people are messy. I'm a human being. We're all going to mess up. No church is 100% what you will want or what you will find. Every church is flawed because people are in it. So find a church that you connect with and that highlights obedience over obligation. So what I'm going to say to you, there's a group of people here today who have been hurt by church. Maybe you're watching online. And what I'm telling you to do today is to give church another shot. To give church another chance. We do this from the moment we start riding a bike. From the moment actually we start walking. When babies first start walking it's super good, and they fall down, they get back up and they keep trying to walk. How do I know that? Because you're here and you're walking. At some point you got back up and you tried it again. When kids first get on bikes and they're trying to ride a bike and they fall down, what do we do? We, hey, we maybe put a band-aid on them or we tell them to brush it off and then do it again. And there are some of you here, you know, you gave dating a chance and your heart got broken. You're like, you know what, I'm kissing dating goodbye. But at some point you're going to do it again because even that dude got married. And you just open up your heart again to somebody else. Maybe you go through a divorce. You know, I'm going to do that again. We risk that. Why? Because we want something. Same thing is true. If you've been in a car accident and your car gets wrecked, know what you do? You drive again. But when it comes to church, some of us we get hurt and like, that's it, I'm never going back. And what I'm telling you is to give church another chance because maybe you were around people who said one thing, but they did not reflect the God of the Bible. What I love to say um, is that Cornerstone is a church for anyone, but we're not a church for everyone. So find a place that you can connect to. Find a place that you feel at home, that you're like, this is a place where I can put some roots. Find a church that highlights obedience over obligation. And I want to talk to another group of people here this morning. And this is the group of people um, that as a pastor, honestly, this is the stuff that bothers me the most. This is the stuff that like weighs heavy on my heart and, and is why I'm as passionate as I am about following Jesus. In, in Revelation, it, it says that as we're in heaven, that, that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And, and I believe it's because we're going to realize that there are people in our life who did not know Jesus, who will be eternally separated from Jesus, and we could have done something about it. But what scares me as a pastor is that there are people here today, there are some of you here today, that are just like this lamp. You look like a Christian, you talk like a Christian, you walk like a Christian, you eat like a Christian, you avoid things like Christians avoid. But the sad reality is there's no light. You're not really a Christian. You say all the right things, you do all the right things, you serve, you give, you attend, you do all the stuff, but at the end of the day... You have no light and your light can't shine because you have never given your heart truly to God. John said it this way, he says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and we declare it to you, God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. So we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God. God. But we go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. You can't say you're a Christian and then not have light. Christians have light, they can't help but shine, but some of you can't shine because you don't have the light. This was my story for the longest time. I grew up in church. I knew all the things. I knew all the right answers. For those of you who remember sword drills where you literally had to find Bible verses faster than anyone else and stand up and read it, I was the best. I knew all the answers. I was constantly getting candy. I was filling up all the stars in Sunday school. I knew everything. The moment my dad became a pastor, I knew all the answers. And I said all the right stuff. I did all the right things. But I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And I would pray. I would sit in the back and be in this pew and I would just pray, God, I don't wanna go to hell. God, I don't wanna go to hell. Save me, save me. And I didn't care about Jesus. I just didn't wanna go to hell because I heard about that place a lot. I was 20 years old in Bible college when I finally put my faith and trust in Jesus. And it was at that moment, my entire life changed. The reason why some of you can't show light is because you're not plugged into the source, but when you find life in Jesus, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you can't help but shine. You can't help but your light begin to be bright, and people that were around you are gonna be like, Whoa, like I was just around you. Like something's different about you. I was just working with you last week. You just did. What's different about you? And the difference is your relationship with Jesus because lights do what lights do, and that's shine. And they shine bright. And so, what I'm asking you this morning is do you have the light in you? Because if so, we're not called to hide it, we're called to let our lights shine in a world full of darkness. So that people can see and know that following Jesus is worth it because he changes our life. And what I'm telling some of you today is for the first time, some of you need to experience real faith, real truth. And plug yourself into the source of Jesus, who is our source of life, who brings light. Today, realize It's never been about obligation, but always about obedience and how you can have life. Let's pray together.